This is Ethan, and I'm here with Dave, and together we are Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 212-inch. On this episode, we welcome back the award-winning director and co-writer of Weird the Al Yankovic story, Eric Appel. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. It's a podcast about Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. Seriously, the whole podcast is about Weird Al. You don't have to listen, but we're glad you are. Welcome home, Ethan. Since our most recent episode, you moderated a live Q&A with Mr. William Shatner. Would you like to tell us about it? Oh, man. Well, thanks for welcoming me back, Dave. You know, I, I got to do that. And then the following week, I went to Minnesota and now I'm finally back, and I am so excited to tell you about it. So obviously we talked about how the Q&A was at the Florida Theater in Jacksonville, Florida, which is a theater that Weird Al has performed at many times. Which I'm sure is the only reason why you booked Mr. William Shatner there. <laughs> it's like performing in a venue that the Beatles or, or Elvis had performed at. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, you know, the, his energy is, is still in the rafters, so... It was really a great experience. I had so much fun. So we had a screening of Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. And then after a brief intermission from backstage, I introduced myself. And of course, Dave, I introduced myself as host of Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. You know, get some promotion out there. Very nice. And then I came out and I brought out uh, Mr. William Shatner and... We had so much fun on stage. He is just, he's 92 years old. He's almost 93, Dave. And he has more energy on stage than I do. He is just <laughs> full of energy. So funny. He got such great stories. And I even mentioned Weird Al in two of my questions. Oh my gosh, that's so amazing. Wow, what were the questions about? Well, one of them I mentioned Weird Al because I was asking him about his music, and I talked about how he had worked with Ben Folds, and then I said, and not Weird Al, yet. <laughs> yet. <laughs> and then I also had a question where I was talking to him about his interview skills, and I brought up his interview with Weird Al from William Shatner's Raw Nerve. So I had to just squeeze Weird Al in any way that I could. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So how did Mr. William Shatner react to all the Weird Al mentions? Well, so after the second one, he turned to the audience and he said, do you guys know about this guy? <laughs> and obviously oh. nobody does. <laughs> and he's like, he's a total nut. He is obsessed with Weird Al. He goes to see 30 Weird Al concerts a year. And I said, um, Bill, much more than 30. <laughs> <laughs> and Dave, you also asked a question. Wait, I did? <laughs> yes. <How did> that <laughs> happen? <laughs> well, so people submit questions at the show, and I had one question. Someone didn't put their name or hometown, so I just wrote down Dave Elvis Rossi. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. congratulations, Dave. <laughs> I had to include my favorite podcast co-host. <laughs> well, thank you very much. And congratulations to you. It sounds like it was an amazing event. Well, thank you so much, Dave. And I'm very happy to report that after all this Weird Al talk with William Shatner, he said next time Weird Al does a show in Los Angeles, he would like to attend it with me. So that would be pretty stinking majestic. That would be pretty stinking majestic. All right, Weird Al, if you're listening, you know what to do. Schedule that show in L.A., and you can have Ethan and Mr. William Shatner in your audience together. All right, Dave, I think it's time for What's Happening in Weird Al-Related News! 
The Recording Academy has officially revealed the nominations for the 2024 Grammys, which take place Sunday, February 4th. We are thrilled to share that Weird Al received his 17th Lifetime Grammy nomination for the Weird the Al Yankovic Story soundtrack album in the category of Best Compilation Soundtrack for Visual Media. From all of us here at Dave and Ethan's 2008 Weird Al podcast, congratulations on the nomination, Al, and best of luck on February 4th. And as we reported the last episode, Weird Al also took part in the nomination ceremony by introducing two categories over on the Grammy.com website. In a pre-recorded segment, Al introduced Best Score Soundtrack for Visual Media Includes Film and Television and Best Song Written for Visual Media. Unfortunately, Al wasn't nominated in either of the categories, though we believe he should have, but his video was very funny, so if you haven't seen it yet, it's worth checking them out over on YouTube. And ever since the dawn of civilization, humanity has pondered one question, and that is, what special features are included with the Shout Studios release of Weird the Al Yankovic Story on 4K Ultra HD and Blu-ray? Well, we finally know because it has been announced! The bonus features are as follows. There will be a 4K master with new HDR and Dolby Vision presentation. Ooh, and a new audio commentary with Al Yankovic and director Eric Appel. There are new deleted, extended, and alternate scenes hosted by Al and Eric. And there's movie promos plus a featurette on the making of Weird. The Late Night with Seth Meyers interview with Weird Al and Daniel Radcliffe is also included. Plus the IMDB.com video, a plethora of cameos. And Variety.com's interview with Daniel Radcliffe, Evan Rachel Wood, and Eric Appel at the Toronto International Film Festival will be on the release. Plus the Rap.com interview with Weird Al and Eric Appel. And the lyric video of Now You Know, and of course the trailers. We'll be discussing some of these special features with our guest, Eric Appel, over the course of his multi-part interview. Some more to come on that, we promise! And it's not too late to pre-order your copy of Weird the Al Yankovic Story. If you want to get in on the fun, head on over to ShoutFactory.com. This coming January, Weird Al will once again be part of the San Francisco Sketchfest! While the festival runs from January 18th through February 4th, Al is scheduled to take part in three sessions over the course of two days during the first weekend. On Saturday, January 20th, Weird Al will be a special guest singer with the Middle-Aged Dad Jam Band, along with Ken Marino, David Wayne, and more. Tickets for that event start at $45 and run up to $125 for reserved seating and a meet and greet. On Sunday, January 21st, Weird Al will be taking part in Mo Willems in the Storytime All-Stars Live for a morning of comedy, books, music, and doodles. And later that evening, Al will join Triumph the Insult Comic Dog for his show, Let's Make a Poop. So it sounds like if you see Weird Al on Sunday, January 21st, you're either going to see Doodles, Duties, or both. Well, tickets for the Mo Willems event run from $25 to $45, and tickets for the Triumph event start at $45 and go up to $65. Festival tickets went on sale Sunday morning, 
and with flashbacks to all the troubles that were had with the Toronto International Film Fest on sale, the site repeatedly crashed, making it impossible to purchase tickets to the two shows on January 21st for nearly 45 minutes. Ugh. All right, this is not the first time that SF Sketchfest had created issues for their patrons. In 2022, after Triumph's Let's Make a Poop show with Weird Al was canceled, ticket holders were only given partial refunds for their tickets. Ugh. If after knowing all of that, you still want to attend SF Sketchfest like I am, you can purchase tickets and get additional information over at sfsketchfest.com. Weird the Al Yankovic story is not the only completely factual documentary getting a release this December. On a previous episode, we told you about the documentary about the infamous Star Wars holiday special called A Disturbance in the Force. Well, it finally has a release date. After premiering March 11th at South by Southwest earlier this year, it goes to a wider audience via DVD, Blu-ray, and digital on December 5th. Weird Al, Seth Green, Paul Shear, Patton Oswalt, and the late, great Gilbert Gottfried are among those who give commentary on the special in a style similar to those old VH1 I Heart the 80s specials. Our listener Donald Gormanley shared with us that he has seen the documentary as part of a film festival, and not only is it wonderful, you get to see Al a few times in it. Oh, we are very excited to check this out. As we mentioned on the previous episode, Weird Al appeared as part of the Vulture Festival in Los Angeles on November 11th. Now, I'm sure some big news came out of it, but since neither Ethan or myself attended, I say we just skip it and move on to the next news item. Oh, definitely. Oh, well, uh, you know what that sound means? It means that we've got a message on the 347 Spatula Hotline, the official hotline of Dave and Ethan's 2008 Weird Al podcast. All right, intern Frank, let's hear that message. Dave, Ethan, it's UH Jeff and Chloe. Uh, I just got back from the big vulture fest featuring Weird Al being interviewed by Jonah Ray. It was a wonderful experience. I was there with Ludacris Laurie and fabulous Vicky DeVries, rhymes with cheese. Uh, and we had, a, we had a great time, and uh, there's a couple of highlights that I would like to report to you because you weren't there. First of all, the big news, Al has committed to a new song in 2024. What does that mean? There's a new song coming in 2024. You now have all the info I have about that. Uh, one other highlight, Al told a, a pretty great story about going to see a sick kid as part of the Make-A-Wish Foundation, and the kid told him that his favorite song was One More Minute because it reminds him of how much longer he has to live. Okay, it was funnier in person maybe, but that kid I respect and love and want to be like him when I grow up. Say goodbye! Wow, thank you for the call, UH Jeff. Was that UH Jeff? I thought that was Chloe who was talking. Well, it doesn't matter. According to Vulture.com, Al said, quote, I'll make a commitment. I will put out at least one new single next year. That's incredible news. This new single, whatever it is, will be the third official single to be released since Mandatory Fun came out in 2014. In 2018, we got the Hamilton Polka, and just last year, Now You Know was released. I'm really excited for anything new that Weird Al puts out anytime. So excited that we have a timeline for this. Yes, and since that news broke, speculation has been rampant. So we put a poll up over on our official Facebook group, group.2000inch.com, if you want to weigh in with your opinion. 
Another spatula call? All right, intern Frank, let's hear it. Hi, Dave. Hi, Ethan. When talking about a lunch that transpired a week or so ago, you mentioned that our very own UH Jeff was in attendance alongside Dr. Demento, Weird Al Yankovic, and other past members from the Dr. Demento show. Is UH Jeff on the payroll? Does he have a title for the universe of Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast? Is he our very own because he is a Patreon supporter? What makes him one of ours, quote-unquote? I'll take my message off the air. Thank you so much. Well, 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 what do you know? We've got a message from our very own Jackson Scoggins. As a fellow member of the very own family, I think you are well-equipped to answer your own question about UH Jeff. Thanks for the call, Jackson. Attention collectors, earlier this week, 1984 Publishing and Rusted Wave put up the Naked Gun soundtrack on LP and CD for pre-order on their websites. Now, while Weird Al doesn't appear on the album itself, per se, he does appear on the back cover in the form of a still from the movie. In addition to the CD, there are two variants of the LP, including an opaque hot pink vinyl variant limited to 500 copies and a hand-poured condiment fight variant with test pressing bundle limited to 25 sets. The vinyl comes with a 7x10 Japanese mini poster and the CDs feature four tracks not heard on the LP along with a 12-page booklet featuring press stills from the film. As of this recording, the condiment fight variant is sold out, but there are still copies of the hot pink variant and CDs available over at 1984publishing.com and rustedwave.com. Oh man, once I learned that Weird Al's image was going to be on the back cover, I knew I had to purchase a copy of each of these for my collection. Yeah, once I learned that track number 24 was titled, I Must Kill Frank, I had to purchase a copy of each of these for my collection. The albums are set to start shipping out on December 8th. And news broke last week that Weird Al is no longer repped by William Morris Endeavor. He has followed his longtime agent over to Wasserman Agency. The news was confirmed when Weird Al updated the FAQ page on his website to now link to Wasserman as who to contact for professional engagements or other business. And once again, Weird Al supported Home for Our Troops during their annual Veterans Day eBay Celebrity Auction. The lucky, lucky auction winner has or will get to schedule a private 20-minute Zoom call with Weird Al. And personally, we think that's worth all the money in the world. And as it turns out, all the money in the world is exactly $4,350 because that's what the final bid was when the auction closed on November 13th. From all of us here at Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast, congratulations to the lucky bidder and thank you to Weird Al for continuing to support such a worthy cause. The Roku channel held a social media contest to win copies of the Weird Al Yankovic Story soundtrack on vinyl, and we won! Along with our friends Aaron Henry and Devlin Wilder. Now, technically, Intern Frank was the one who entered the contest using our Instagram account, but don't you worry, we won't let him anywhere near that vinyl. Well, from all of us here at Dave and Ethan's 2008 Weird Al podcast, a huge congratulations to us. Aaron and Devlin for the win. Our friend Mike Hoffman let us know that in Season 3, Episode 7 of the series Upload, a comedy about living in a simulation after death, there is a sight gag reference to Weird Al. 
Shown as an option on the computer screen for $1,450, you can spend four hours at Six Flags with Weird Al and Brian Baumgartner from The Office. Only $1,450? Wow, that's cheap! Here on Earth, it's $4,350 to spend 20 minutes with Weird Al. Other digital experiences include playing basketball with LeBron James and performing with Jack White. But I think you know which one Ethan and myself would pick. On Jimmy Kimmel Live last week, Jimmy Kimmel shared that he received an email from none other than Weird Al on his birthday. Oh, how pretty stinking majestic. Now, I wonder if Weird Al recorded a whole song with his name and age just for Jimmy like he did for us on our birthdays. Our friend Claire Walsh let us know that Weird Al shows up as a voice in episode 5 of the new animated series on Netflix, Scott Pilgrim Takes Off. I feel like to save time, we really should only report on animated Netflix shows that Weird Al does not show up in. What better way to say I love you than with the gift of Weird Al this holiday season? Over at shop.weirdal.com, they've added a helpful guide to let you know when you need to place your order so that you can get your items delivered by Christmas. The earliest deadline is for FedEx Smart Post, and for that option, your deadline to order is next Friday! So don't wait on buying all your loved ones overstock, unsold, out-of-date Weird Al merchandise! Get over there now! No, 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 Ethan, I'm sure you didn't mean to say overstock, unsold, out-of-date Weird Al merchandise. You meant to call it vintage Weird Al merchandise. Well, actually, I meant to say this episode is brought to you in part by Vegan Burrito Restaurant Burrito Burrito, home of the two-pound double wrapped in quesadilla burrito burrito and wizard burger in Albany, New York. Come on down to Burrito Burrito and Burrito Burrito, your Burrito Burrito and wizard burger for mouthwatering loaded, dare I say, beefy vegan burgers. From Albany to Uranus, Burrito Burrito and Wizard Burger feed the hunger with out-of-this-world plant-based real food always vegan style. Visit burritosquared.com and wizardburger.com to order ahead. And now it's time for what's happening in Marginally Weird Al-related news. Later today, November 22nd, in Youngstown, Ohio, will be a concert called Even Worse, a tribute to Weird Al at the West Side Bowl. Tickets are $10 and show starts at 8 p.m., but get there early if you plan to also bowl with the gangsters. Our friend and fellow superfan Devlin Wilder was just on a recent episode of the game show People, Place, or Thing, hosted by Melissa Peterman. Devlin was introduced as a Weird Al fan and even shared that his favorite song was Amish Paradise. I mean, he was dressed in an Amish outfit for the Amish Paradise concert scene in Weird the Al Yankovic story, so I had hoped that's his favorite song. Well, from all of us here at Dave and Ethan's 2000s Weird Al podcast, congratulations, Devlin. With all that Weird Al news out of the way, Dave, I think it's time for this episode's interview. Ethan and myself are excited to welcome back to the podcast our director from Weird the Al Yankovic Story, the award-winning Eric Appel. Welcome back, Eric, and congratulations on the Emmy nominations and Producer Guild Award and Critic Choice Awards and, oh my gosh, all the awards and nominations. Thank you. It's, uh, I'm happy to be back, and yeah, it's, it's pretty insane, all the awards love we got. <laughs> we, we're like, Al and I never imagined we would, uh, you know, we're satirizing an awards bait movie. We never thought that we were were actually going to be winning awards um it was it, it was so fun um just going into all those going to the award shows with him and like being at the critics of critics choice and you know winning like, it's just like really just insane it's one of those experiences where it's like you don't even you're like outside of your body you know you're like i 
I almost didn't even experience it. It was such a whirlwind. It was so unexpected and crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Last year, this thing, it's huge, is released into the world. It affects millions of people. Eric, how has your life been different after you were a guest on Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, people stop me on the street. It's, it's, uh, I, I'm, people almost get in a car accident when they drive past me. And and it's like just my voice was on the podcast, not even my face. (laughs) It's pretty amazing. Now, obviously, Weird the Al Yankovic story is our all-time favorite movie, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners feel the same way. What has been the impact for you since it came out? I mean, this was your first feature film. It comes out, and it's huge. It's amazing. Everyone loves it. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's been kind of a wild ride for the past year. Um, I'd wanted to make movies for a while. Uh, I directed TV for, for a long time. And um, it's funny, like after you make a movie like this, one that a movie that is that is so well received, it's like all of the sudden I just arrived here in Hollywood, (laughs) you know, and it's like I've been here for 15 years and I was working like I thought I was pretty successful. (laughs) Um, But after this movie came out, um, you know, all all of a sudden it was just uh, uh, there were a lot more scripts that were landing on my desk and a lot more. you know, just studios and producers and, um, you know, people that I would, uh, you know, have been wanting to get meetings with for years that are all of a sudden saying, we'd love to figure out a movie to make together. Wow. (laughs) And it's just been, yeah, it's been incredibly (laughs) exciting. It's been really exciting. Now I know, you know, Al's sort of been trying to get a movie or TV show off the ground for years you know, have similar doors open for him? Are there other projects you guys are thinking about working on outside of the weird universe? You know, I'm, I, we, we haven't really talked about that much. I'm not sure. I mean, Al always seems to be consistently working and popping up in people's things and doing (laughs) voices on animated shows. And like, um, it's so fun just on Instagram. I feel like once a week, something pops up on (laughs) Al's page where I'm like, Oh my gosh, you did that too. Um, as far as us, like working together on something outside of the Alverse, uh, I, I mean, we haven't, we sort of talked about it a little bit when we had, when we first wrote the movie, um, before it was even picked up by anyone, we were like, oh, you know, we had so much fun writing together. Maybe we can uh, think of something else to write together. And uh, I, I mean, I was kind of busy with another project that I had to jump into and, and um, you know, nothing nothing ended up happening there. But, um, you know, there have been a few ideas that I've heard from uh, – you know, just taking meetings with different studios and producers and them saying like, oh, you know, here's this crazy article or here's this crazy thing that is happening in the world we think would make a fun comedy movie that kind of feels tonally um, in, in the same universe as weird. Hmm. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I haven't I've been really busy with a couple of other things th- these past few months and especially since the writer's strike ended. Um uh, but I I do have a couple of ideas that I actually that I think I might bring Al's way. And, awesome, and, you know, and say, hey, I think that the two of us could you know do something great with this. Like not not like parody movies, but 
Yeah, movies that just have that same kind of tone that weird does. There's like a really weird sports movie kind of in the in like the bla- Blades of Glory dodgeball world. Awesome. That I think like Al and I could really crush a movie like that and and it's fun when there's a template that already exists. Like the biopic template is something that exists. All those movies feel very similar to each other. So it's a lot of fun to go in there and sort of subvert expectations and flip things on their head. And, and, right. um, and I think that we could, uh, do something really fun with like other genres, um, treating them the same way that we treated weird. I would be so thrilled to see you guys work on anything. Honestly, I think, you know, you guys absolutely worked so well together. It's just, it's obvious with how much love and humor and, and intelligence is in the film that I just, I would, like I'm not a sports guy. I would watch any sports thing you guys did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm not a big sports guy either. Uh, yeah, Al and I are not big sports guys, but you know those. But those, yeah, I love a good sports movie. You know, <laughs> especially one making fun of sports movies would be especially amazing. one. Yeah, like a Happy Gilmore or something <laughs> right, along right, those right. lines. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And we'll be excited for anything that you and Al put out. So you did mention a little bit about the writing process with Weird Al. What was that like? Um, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. I mean, we he would come to my office. Um, I think we spent a couple of months putting together the original pitch, the original treatment for the movie. Um, yeah, he would come to my office maybe three days a week. We'd work for a few hours, um, just kind of batting around ideas, putting stuff up on the wall, um, kind of roughing in the shape of of what we wanted the movie to be. We had the trailer to work off of, right? Um, and originally, it was going to be like just like the trailer. Um, you know, we we wanted it like at first we were like the trailer that we made a decade ago should feel like it's the trailer for this movie that's it's like the movie's been sitting on a shelf for a decade um but you know then w- once we really got it in in there and started uh you know started working on it we we did have like those milestone moments of things that happen in the trailer we know just kind of the trajectory of the story and where it starts and we didn't know that we were going to kill <laughs> that Al was going to die at the end. <laughs> um, spoilers man Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm hoping that. Oh, oh no, <laughs> you're in it. You're great. <laughs> um, but I think that uh, yeah, we um, we just kept like building on what we had and adding to it and new funny ideas and and yeah and you know trying to pull it all together. Um, <laughs> that was. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was just, I, I, it was just kind of a, a, a lot of fun. Um, you know, you come up with a million ideas, you use a hundred of them. <laughs> right, right. And uh, yeah. yeah, I can't even remember some of the stuff that uh, you know didn't end up making it in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything that you were when you were writing with Al that just was even, let's say, too weird for the movie? Um, you know, it's not that things were too weird. The tone of the movie was a real, um, the tone of the movie was very specific and something that we were constantly discussing, like what sort of comedy, you know, there's a kind of comedy that you find in like one of Al's music videos, for instance. Um, There's a lot of like really big, silly gags and um, 
you know, it's the kind. It, it's similar to the kind of comedy that you'd find in Mad Magazine, or you'd find in Airplane, mm-hmm. or The Naked Gun. Um, the tone of our movie, we didn't want to do any jokes that like sold out the reality of what we were doing. There's, there's like, I'd say the most famous example <laughs> is the. There's a shot where these accordions come into frame. Uh, it was in the trailer. It was right. in the original teaser right. um, where yeah. where Al says, uh, we're there at the pool party, and he says, does anybody have an accordion? And then three accordions are thrust into frame, one from the bottom, one from the right, one from the left. And uh, that's how it was scripted. He picks it. We Al, Al and I kind of went back and forth, like uh, arguing about this joke a little bit. Um, I always said that a joke like that just like the physics, the reality of this, it it kind of broke the reality of what we were doing. And we wanted to land all these, we wanted the movie to have heart and we wanted to land like the poignant moments and the things that really work about biopics. And I felt like if we leaned too hard into big, silly comedy gags, like a very specific type of <laughs> gag, um, that it would just kind of shatter our reality. And once you do that, it's it's like hard to get the audience back. There's movies that I watch where I'm like, if something too silly happens or something a little too weird and it just doesn't feel like it belongs in the world of whatever movie I'm watching, that movie will like lose me at that point. Um, you didn't see this. New, did you see The Marvels by chance? Yeah, I did. There's like a, a, there's like a singing planet. Um, in the Marvels movie. And like when they went to the singing planet, I just like checked out. And so did my 11-year-old daughter. We both looked at each other like, what is going on? This just doesn't feel like it belongs in the in the world of this movie. Yeah, they, um, there was a lot of things in that movie that didn't really fit. But that's a great example. <laughs> I, I almost feel like that, you know, having built sort of the constraints on yourselves with weird, it sort of let you really... I guess take a, maybe a different approach to maybe some of the humor you were looking at because you put those restraints on yourself so you're able to maybe even get weirder in some of the parts yeah. while still being true to what your goal was. Right. I, I mean, I would say that the tone of something like Naked Gun, it's joke, it's very joke forward, right? And it's it's Leslie Nielsen and really all of the characters are playing things very straight but they are like oblivious to the silly things that are happening. <laughs> like right, right. Leslie Nielsen, yeah. like crashing his car every time he pulls up, like in an establishing shot or, you know, um, and it's just nothing is, it's never mentioned. Um, right. It's You know, there's all these just really weird, crazy, funny things that are happening in the background of shots. And I think the, the comedy in this movie is we wanted to like lean really hard into the emotional beats of a movie like this. And if we can create absurd versions of the really, of like the moments that work, the tried and true moments that work really well in a movie like this. And we can just put our own bizarre little unique spin on those (laughs) moments, but still land the emotion of them. Right. Um, I mean, at the time it was like, maybe it'll be good. Who knows? Like I, it was, it was really experimental. And I think that's why it was hard getting the movie off the ground. Like we pitched this thing everywhere, um, and everyone rejected it. And, um, we were going to go try to find, um, 
you know, pitch it to uh, independent financiers. And I, I said to Al, like, we should just write the script. There's something that people aren't getting maybe mm. um, just from hearing our pitch. Um, like they don't un- understand this tone. Do you have that pitch, that elevator speech of what it was before you had a full script? Um, I mean, I th- I, I, I'm sure I have it in like my Google Docs or something, but it's um, it's really the plot of the movie. Like there's nothing in that pitch that didn't make its way into the movie. It's it's basically just three pages of us, you know, three to five single spaced pages of okay. Al and I like okay. describing what the movie is. We just didn't have a script yet, um, but it had like. Escobar, you know, it had all that. Oh, stuff. wow. Okay. Was, yeah. All of that stuff was in there. In fact, Escobar, uh, that was like the very first meeting that Al and I had about <laughs> turning an old trailer into, oh, a, wow. into a movie. He said, we went out to coffee. So he emailed me in, uh, uh, February, 2019, I think it was, um, you know, Hey, I was thinking, you know, what do you think about making a movie of that old trailer that we did together? Um, and of course, I was like, "Yes, of course, great, sure." When do you want? To? He's like, "When do you want to meet up?" I'm like, "I'm free tomorrow morning." Um, and we hadn't like I hadn't really hung out with Al in a while. Like we remained friendly, kind of acquaintances, I guess. Um, but it's so f- how quick I jumped to that, and, and yeah. it's, uh, it, it's funny just like how close we got and how you know. I mean, I was working with him every day. I talked to Al every day for a really long time. Um, <laughs> But anyway, we, we we met up for coffee and just sort of talked through um, some of the ideas that we had, uh, you know, well, what if this, just kind of broad stroke ideas that were outside of what was in the trailer. What if it's this? What if it's this? And Al said, I would love for there to just be like out of the blue, <laughs> like I turn into John Wick, you know, in a Hawaiian shirt. And... Um, <laughs> And it's like an action movie. And he's like, I was thinking maybe I could, like, if my enemy is like Pablo Escobar. <laughs> and I'm like, that's really funny. I mean, it's, he's a very notable figure from that time period. Like, sort of the one of the big, the villain of the world, I guess, right? Like, um, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what made you think of that? And he goes, I just watched all of Narcos. I like binged all of Narcos. I'm like, all right, great, let's do it. <laughs> So like that was always there. That was like always in the pitch. We got to figure out how to how to work in this like crazy action sequence. So we worked backwards from that. I remember reading once um, that when Bob Gale and Robert Zemeckis wrote Back to the Future, um, they just wrote down on cards like a bunch of cool things that they would want to see happen in in a, this hypothetical movie okay and like put put those up on the you know marty invents skateboarding was <laughs> one of them you know and they yeah. put it up on the wall and then and then like they work back they had all of these things to draw from and and kind of work backwards from and that's similar to how pablo escobar was for us like it was always kind of hanging there at some point in the movie we got to figure out how to get to pablo escobar and um and I don't remember like how how like we found our way to involving Madonna in it um, in in that part of the story. At at one point, I know that I said to Al, um, we really like when we go around town and pitch this. The first thing people are going to tell us, like, yeah, we, if they want to make the movie, 
they're going to go, you got to get rid of this Pablo Escobar thing that comes out of no. I just kind of know the language of like movie execs, you know? It's, it's, and they'd be like, yeah. this Escobar thing doesn't have anything to do with the story. And it's like just going to be a waste of time that adds up to nothing. Like, so I was like, Al, I agree. Like, because Al's thing was like, it has to come out of the blue. It has to come completely out of the blue. And I'm like, all right, it can come out of the blue, but it, but like by the end of that sequence, the audience has to say, oh, well, yeah, of course they went to Pablo Escobar's. <laughs> like, that's the only possible thing that would have led to. So, like, we just loaded it with payoffs. I'm like, we just got to fill this thing with, like, everything has to lead to, you know, he ends up there by chance. And then by the end of that sequence, it's that's the end of act two. He goes into act three. He's like, I have to. I know what I have to do. I have to go back home. It's like this really pivotal moment in the movie. And uh, and then we so then once we had that, it was I was like, all right, it's it might seem weird if it's completely, completely out of the blue. Like we should pepper in a couple of Pablo Escobar references. So we went back and that's when we added the other two Pablo Escobar references like um, during the Oprah sequence. Right. Um, yeah, we added yeah. Escobar in there. Um, I was like, oh, when he gets, you know, w- if he gets shot by Escobar, like he has to have a thing. Like there's always a thing that blocked the bullet, right? I'm like, we have to like, we have to come up with some kind of talisman, you know, or <laughs> like we have to come up with some special thing that blocks the bullet that we have to plant early in the movie. And and when we plant it in the movie, it just has to be a joke. Right. So it's like these stupid yeah. necklaces. It's like just a joke about how heavy they are. Right. <laughs> like these cumbersome necklaces that he's wearing. And, you know, then we, uh, uh, and then we like won't see them again until that moment. Right. <laughs> and all of a sudden it's like, and he's shirtless in another sequence and he's not wearing them. <laughs> but all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you know, he's he has them on again there. Um, he travels all the way <laughs> to uh, <laughs> travel Escobar, and he's still wearing the heavy. Yeah, he's still wearing the heavy. And then he wasn't wearing them at the concert. He puts them on at some point. I think, yeah, it's probably when after he says, like, uh, that he's going to, you know, Pablo Escobar made the biggest mistake of his life. He probably then went home and put on. He's like, well, I never know when I'm going to need these. <laughs> Cause they also function as weapons as right. we, as we see, yeah. you know? Yes. <laughs> I always overpack oh, too. I can totally relate to that. <laughs> we did have a, um, we wrote that sequence a little big. There's a moment that gets cut. Oh, there's something we cut out. I don't know if I've ever talked about this. Um, there's a thing that was cut out of the uh, Escobar sequence f- just because we didn't have the time and budget to do it. Okay. But I'm but I'm sad that we couldn't do it. Al was sad too. After um after he kills the guards <laughs> with the hay boy decoy or whatever. Um then there was like before he gets inside Escobar's there was a um there was like a little shack outside um, <laughs> where, you know, with like tin roof and, and uh, there was a bunch of like locals, uh, like townspeople uh, 
bagging cocaine (laughs) like and uh and they were like they were like all in like underwear with like masks on you know (laughs) i can't remember what i guess like in at the beginning of blow you get to see like um uh what like the cocaine production looks like so so it was going to be all these people and there's like guards and stuff and then he like Al was supposed to burst through a wall with the machine gun and just like be wildly firing at everyone. But, but somehow like only the guards were shot. (laughs) (laughs) And then he's like, you can go, you're free now. And one of the, uh, one of the people that was bagging cocaine in Spanish says, you idiot, this is our entire economy. We're going to starve now. And uh, and, and he was like, you're welcome. <laughs> like, he doesn't speak Spanish. He's like, he's like, yes, you're welcome. I appreciate you too or something. Like, I can't remember what it was that he said. But. <laughs> and, then, and then like another fight. There was another fight like down a hallway like from the raid we wanted him to like just be running down a hall like killing guys <laughs> on his way to Escobar's <laughs> like in retrospect it may have been overkill and i'm happy with what i'm happy with like where it all ended up um but at the time we were really bummed that we had to that we had to chop all that out <laughs> Eric, I, I just like how in our regular conversation, you're you're sort of answering questions that I had pre-written things that I wanted to talk about. Um, and I mean, certainly one of them are, is things in the movie that you had written and intended to have and, and didn't make it in. This extra stuff with Pablo sounds incredible. Is there anything else of, at that scale that didn't make it into the final cut or didn't get to be shot? The only other so there's a couple things like the um, the Amish uh, dad's Amish story um, was originally supposed to be actually filmed. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, but you know to film a montage like that and it was it's period and it's costumes and it's like horses and buggies <laughs> and like it would have been incredibly expensive to do that. So we ended up. Um, we were going to cut it entirely or we were asked to just like cut it. And, and, you know, Al and I were like, what if we do, what, how about animation? And Al had a great relationship with Augenblick yeah. um, studios. So, oh yeah. Um, and, and, you know, they ended up doing such a fantastic oh, so job. Good. I can't yeah. think of that being anything other than, and it, that was the other thing with animation. People said, we can't afford the animation either. And I said, well, what if we, what if we do the animation like, yeah, I had that idea to do it sketchbook style where it wouldn't be like full fluid animation. We would just kind of be flying through the pages of a journal. And we looked and it would be like getting drawn as we're like landing on things. I actually, um, what I sent them as reference at one point was um, that Kurt Cobain uh HBO documentary hmm. where his like notebooks are animated and come to life. I thought that was just oh, such a cool, oh, cool. Uh, cool look. Yeah. Montage of heck, I think it's called. Um, <laughs> huh. But like the animation in that was, was really cool. Um, so anyway, that that's, that's one thing we were supposed to shoot. The other thing that I remembered uh, cutting was there was a dating montage with Madonna, which right. in retrospect feels 
like they do it in Naked Gun. It's very Naked Gun. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, they. Uh, what is the Naked Gun? Oh, I think it's the something tells me I'm in for something good. I think that's the song. Right. Naked Gun they They're like running on the beach and stuff. Right. Um, so our so like we had a dating montage. Uh, it was like at a park, and it was. Like Madonna and Al were like feeding the ducks together. <laughs> and then like Al bought Madonna like all the balloons from like a balloon vendor. And then it was revealed that there's like all these crying children around <laughs> wanted, <laughs> that like wanted balloons. That was <laughs> that was like kind of the um, that was like the game of that montage uh, was like that they're so in love that they're like oblivious to everyone else and like <laughs> mean to people. And and I remember then there was a shot of them at a diner, like drink, both drinking out of the same milkshake, like vanilla milkshake, like a fifties looking diner. Yeah. And, um, and Al scooped up a dollop of whipped cream and pu- put it on Madonna's nose. And then she just like oh. reared back and punched him in the face. <laughs> and he like flew backwards <laughs> off the stool and then it cut to them at like a butcher shop and he's like holding the um holding a steak on his eye <laughs> they're laughing about it maybe they're grilling the steaks after that like i and and the montage ended it was like after they slept together so the montage ended and they were at the restaurant and the joke was Oh, that was the best six hours of my life. It <laughs> right, felt like right. it felt like it took place over right. days. There were like wardrobe changes, yes. and uh, I mean, ultimately, you know, I I think it worked. I think it's funnier to just go right to the restaurant and say that it's just been hours. You know, it still would have been right. fun to see. It, you know, it, it's I I have no notes on the movie. I think the movie's great and it turned out perfect, but just hearing about some of these i would love to at least see them as a deleted scene at least you know it just it sounds so funny yeah i mean i'll say this that like we were it was such a um scrappy you know production we we didn't have a lot of uh, we didn't have a big budget we didn't have a lot of time um so we couldn't shoot anything that we didn't think was going to end up in the movie um right you know so we we have uh, uh there are the Blu-ray is coming out soon and there's deleted scenes on there. Um, They're more like extended scenes because the things that we ended up cutting were lines of dialogue or little jokes or if the scene was running a little bit too long. Um, We, uh, but we didn't shoot any like sequences that got cut out or any like big full scenes that that got cut out. Yeah. And I'd say that too, like even, uh, w- with the script, it was like a really tight script. There's not a lot of improv in the movie. Um, you know, everything was like m- me and Al, you know, spent a long time just like really crafting that and making it, um, you know, how meticulous Al is. Like, um, I think that's one, one of the reasons we work so well together. I'm a little looser and Al's like a little uh, just more more meticulous okay um and uh and i think like our we work really well together because i i think like maybe both of us rub rub off on each other a little bit you know um and 
and uh, I'm always like striving to make sure that Al loves it too, which like also makes it better. I'm like the fact that like I started as like a big fan of Al's, right? um, And then I get to write this stuff with him. I'm I'm everything I write. I'm like, oh, I want Al to love this, and if he doesn't love it, like we're not gonna, it's not gonna be in. Like we didn't make we didn't do anything that we didn't both you know that we didn't both like, but but especially like. You know, I'm uh, the the best compliment is you know Al saying this is really good, this is really funny. I like how yeah. this is turning out. <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah. great, we're good. This is great. Al Al loves it. I know it's good. <laughs> He's like my barometer for comedic taste, I guess. Right, and it's it's not just like I, I wonder if Weird Al would like it. It's literally, you're getting feedback that Al likes it, so it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, okay, I know this is good. It works. It works. And that's like the process of writing the. Just to kind of go back to the process of writing w- with him, um, the way that we uh, broke the script up and how we actually wrote the pages, um, we uh, took a page out of um, Tom Lennon and Ben Garrett's uh, screenwriting book uh, about writing with a partner. Um, Al, you know, took screen grabs of the pages and texted them to me. He was like, I think this is a, you know, a, a really smart way to do it, which is hmm. we came up with this really detailed outline together. Um, you know, it was whatever, 15 pages of Here's everything that happens in every scene. Little snippets of dialogue, but um, just like here are all the things that we want to accomplish in each one of these scenes. Um, And it was very, very detailed. And then we split that document up into 20 chunks. And each chunk represented like five to seven pages of the script. Okay. And then we flipped a coin to see who would write the odd <laughs> chunks and who would write the even chunks. And the way that we wrote it is whoever kicked it off and, and got chunk one um, would spend a day writing those five pages, s- email them to uh, the other person. Then the following day, that person would rewrite those five pages, make whatever changes they wanted to make to them, um, and then add the next chunk, kick it back to the other person. The next day, they would revise the first 10 pages or so add the next five wow okay and we had we had like rules about like if the other person took out something you liked you're allowed to put it back in but you're only allowed to put it in once (laughs) and if it gets taken out again then 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 you could like have a discussion about it if you really 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 believe that it should, should be in there but like what it does like if like let's say al would take something out that I wrote and change it to something else. Um, if I didn't like what he changed it to, it would, it was just a challenge then for me to like, okay, it's not necessarily, I don't think what this, what I'll just wrote, but let me, let me just come at it from another angle. And I'm, and, and now it's like better that, you know, it just really ha- improves everything um, that you're both just constantly rewriting each other. Mm-hmm. So every yeah. everything that ends up in the final script is something that you both thought was perfect enough that you could put your pencil down, you know. Um, <laughs> and by the time you get to that final chunk and you finish the the what is really the first when you finish the first draft of the script, it's really like the twentieth draft of the script. 
Um, so when we finished writing it, we, we sent it into funny or die. I sent it to, you know, we each sent it to a couple of friends to read and our, and, and I think he sent it to Tom. He might've sent it to Pat and I sent it to a couple of, um, screenwriter friends of mine and, and like they came back with no notes. My friends were like, "This is great. <laughs> I love this. I hope I hope you get to make this movie. It's a no brainer. Like someone's got to make it." And um, and when we sent it to Funny or Die, I remember them calling uh, us, and they were just like, "We're blown away. This script is so it's it's so polished." And we're like, "Yeah," because we've been ironing over it every day for the last month. Um, yeah, and wow. and we just ended up with something that we both. Um, you know, we both really loved and were really proud of. And then when we got it to Daniel Radcliffe, um, and he said that he loved it in our first conversation. I mean, that was uh, it was like okay, we I think we know that we have something really cool here. I'm yeah. like, will everyone like it? I don't know. <laughs> Radcliffe ha- Radcliffe has like a f- really great sense of humor, but he likes weird stuff, right? Um, but I don't know. It turned out people did like it. <laughs> Thank you. I want to go back a little bit in the sure. writing process. And I'm curious. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions here. And you can just answer them any way you want. The first one is how different was the final script from that initial 15-page outline you wrote? And also, when it came to you know you guys doing the evens or the odds, was there anything where it was like, well, we need to switch because this one is definitely a scene Al should write, or this is something Eric should definitely write. We need to stop the interview right there. A huge thank you to Eric Appel for joining us on the podcast once again. We are excited for you to hear the rest of our interview with Eric, so be sure to tune back for more of Eric's interview and more extremely weird, weird goodness, including Eric's official answer to what they make at the factory. In the meantime, if you're not yet following Eric on Instagram, check him out at Appell to see what projects he's working on. That's E-R-O-C-K-A-P-P-E-L. This episode is brought to you in part by Discover Darwin, promoting tourism in Darwin, Minnesota. Not only is historic Darwin, Minnesota uh, beautiful, it's not mentioned in Explore Minnesota magazine. Dave, you are absolutely right. I just visited Minnesota last week for work, and while I wasn't able to discover Darwin while I was there, I did take a look at the yearly Minnesota Travel Guide. As one does when visiting Minnesota, of course. I read that magazine cover to cover, yet even on the maps, I didn't see a single mention of Darwin. Oh my gosh, the horror, the travesty. How are people supposed to discover Darwin if it's not even listed in the official tourism magazine? And get this, the things that were listed in the magazine, they totally sucked! No way. What sort of stuff? Get this, there was an ad for the town of Laverne. Ew, that already sounds like it sucks. You're absolutely right. The ad said it's, quote, a town with more nutcrackers than people. Disgusting. And then they say it's only the third largest nutcracker collection in the world. (laughs) Third largest? Why even advertise that then? No way would Weird Al ever write a song about something so stupid. (laughs) Laverne got a pass. 
So visit Darwin, Minnesota on your next Nutcracker Avoidance Expedition. Discover Darwin, more than just the twine ball. And after you visit Darwin, Minnesota, be sure to attempt to visit discoverdarwin.biz. Dave and Ethan's 2008 Weird Al podcast is brought to you absolutely free thanks to our incredible sponsors, Burrito Burrito, Wizard Burger, Jackson Scoggins, and of course, Discover Darwin. Our podcast is also supported by everyone else in our Patreon family, with special thanks to our amazing close personal friend level Patreon supporters, including Casey, Scotto, Javier, Kev, Ron, Matt, Zeb, Zach, Blair, Ajax, Gus and Alicia, Adriana, Jake, UH Jeff, Kenneth, Allison, Dana B, and also thanks to Dave and everyone else in our pretty stinking majestic Patreon family. If you enjoy our foxy and friendly Weird Al podcast, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash 2000inch. There are awesome benefits like getting your name on the podcast, your own private RSS feed, which gives you early access to each and every bonus episode, and the self-satisfaction of doing something important with your otherwise pitiful, meaningless existence. And now would be a good time to join if you have not joined already because you'll be the very first to hear our final few remaining brand new ridiculously self-indulgent bonus episodes the instant that they drop. And don't forget to check out our official merchandise shop over at shop.2000inch.com. All proceeds from purchases go directly towards supporting our fine podcast. Last year, Dave and I, along with listeners and Weird Al fans, got together on Zoom to record Albuquerque, a Weird Al musical written by our friend William King. Well, William let us know that the video is finally ready to be released and we'll be uploading it to our YouTube channel and sharing a link on our Facebook group over at group.2000inch.com as soon as it's possible. Plus, the audio of the musical will be available on our Patreon page to listen to and download. Thanks to William for this fun project and for everyone who took part in the recording. And we love hearing from our listeners and other Weird Al fans, so make sure you join our Facebook community over at group.2000inch.com and visit our Discord server for even more riveting Weird Al and, of course, Red Rump the Goody-related conversations. You can find both of them linked on our website, as well as information about past guests and past episodes over at 2000inch.com or weirdalpodcast.com. And while you're there, click on Ridiculously Self-Indulgent bonus episodes to follow along with our adventures on tour, or click Black and White and Weird All Over bonus episodes for our special series where author John Bermuda Schwartz walks us through his first book page by page and picture by picture. Keep up on new episodes, podcast news, and events by following at 2000inch on Facebook, X, and Instagram. And be sure to subscribe everywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. Not only does subscribing help the podcast, it'll get all the lumps out of your mashed potatoes this Thanksgiving. Plus, we also love it when we receive voicemail via our official patent-pending 27-hour-a-day podcast hotline. That number is 347-SPATULA. Give it a call, and you might even hear your message in a future episode. Thank you once again to our guest, Erica Pell, for joining us this episode. Thank you to Kieran Farrell. Donald Gormanley, Tara Lynn Lawner, our very own UH Jeff, our very own Chloe, our very own time traveler extraordinaire Jackson Scoggins, Matthew Chernacki, Kenneth Gwinnup, Claire Walsh, Aaron Henry, Mike Hoffman, Devlin Wilder, William King, and William Shatner. Thank you to the Grammy award-winning Jim Kimo West for her incredible podcast theme song, and thank you to the 17-time Grammy-nominated Weird Al Yankovic, as this podcast probably would not exist without him. 
And a big thanks to all of you, our loyal listeners, subscribers, Patreon supporters and sponsors, and everyone else who makes our podcast possible. Thank you, as always, for choosing Dave and Ethan's 2008 Weird Al Podcast for your listening pleasure. And until next time, remember to gill and chill, keep listening to Weird Al, and of course, stay cheesy. Oh, Dave, we almost forgot to do our favorite joke. The one where we pull intern Frank's pants off and take color pictures and post copies all over town? No, we did that last week. Oh, yeah, that's right. We do that one so often, I tend to forget that we do it every single week. So what's the joke we almost forgot? You know, the one where we wish our American listeners a happy Thanksgiving and then wish everybody else a happy Thursday. And you know what, Ethan? I feel like that one's getting pretty tired and overused. How about this year? We wish our American listeners a happy Thursday and everyone else a happy Thanksgiving. But that doesn't even make sense. Yeah, but that's the joke. I am not thankful for that joke. That was Dave Neeson's 2008 Weird Al Podcast, episode 212. Happy Thursday to... No! Oh, I want Al to love this.